0: Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler is available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Welcome to another episode of The Warning Woods. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider giving it five stars and writing a review. Reviews help spread the podcast to more listeners. If you want more creepy content, follow me on Instagram and TikTok at The Warning Woods. I'm Miles Thomas Triddle, and this story is called The Swamp. Charlotte and I were eating dinner on the couch. A news anchor was flapping his mouth about Democrats this and Republicans that. I don't even know why we had the TV on, because neither of us were listening to it. We were keeping each other entertained with stories from work. Letty and I are fortunate enough to work together at Bayou Lou's, which is that little Cajun joint at 9th and Main. She's a cook. A good one. And I'm a waiter. I'm sure you can guess that the two of us working in a little restaurant like Bayou Lou's don't bring home much cash. It's enough to keep us happy, though. Working together all day is part of what makes our paycheck-to-paycheck lifestyle worth it. Some couples might hate spending every day and night together, but it works for us. We understand each other. When I have a hard day at work, so does Letty. When she's exhausted and needs a quiet evening in, so do I. We're in sync that way. Anyway, this story doesn't really have anything to do with Bayou Luz or the wild antics that anyone who's worked in restaurants can imagine happen there. No, this story is about another significant part of Letty and I's life. The swamp. We both grew up in northern Florida. Both of us spent a lot of time in and around Okefenokee Swamp during our childhoods. It was a tradition we carried into our relationship. Kayaking on the swamp is about the only thing that was keeping us in shape in our late 20s. I can't speak for Letty, but I think she would agree that the constant semi-danger of the swamp provides just enough excitement to get the blood pumping, but not enough to really feel threatening. We had grown accustomed to floating past alligators and large snakes. I think the animals are used to people too, because they never seem to pay us any mind. Hey Vern, turn it up a second, Letty said, pointing to the remote in my lap. That's right kids, dream up some good wishes, because there will be plenty of shooting stars to wish on tonight. If you are outside around 10pm, be sure to look up and see what astronomers are calling an anomalous meteor shower. B-roll footage of shooting stars from somewhere obviously not Florida played on the screen as another anchor continued. We've been told there may be more meteor showers falling per minute than any meteor shower during our lifetimes. Wow, what an exciting event. The anchor concluded the segment with anything but excitement in his voice. "'You know where a great place to watch a meteor shower would be, right?' Letty asked. I gave her a broad smile and nodded. "'I'll get the kayaks loaded up.' "'Oh, I don't think so,' she replied. "'I've washed enough dishes for today. You clean up, and I'll take care of the kayaks.' We turned off the TV, and Letty went outside to rack up the boats while I cleaned up the kitchen. At roughly nine o'clock, we were on our way to Okefenokee. As Letty drove, I realized I had spent very little time on the swamp after dark. When the sun went down, we usually started to pack up and head home. The dark would add an extra element of excitement, I thought. The swamp is one of the few places in our modern world that is truly dark at night. Okefenokee Park closes at 5 every day, but as I mentioned, Letty and I are both quite familiar with the layout of the swamp. It's far too large for perfect security, and if you know where to go... It's not hard to find a place to get on the water after hours. Letty drove us to one such location, shutting off the headlights as we approached. Once she parked, we quickly and quietly unloaded the kayaks, donned our life vests, and pushed out on the water. I checked my backlit watch and saw we had about 20 minutes to kill before the meteor shower started. We paddled around in the eerie darkness. The half moon's light provided a soft, blue glow, but it didn't reach the water. A light fog had formed near the surface of the water and swirled between the mossy trees. We occasionally heard something splash near us. The sounds could have been fish, snakes, gators. There was no way to tell in the fog. Luckily, I had packed a high-beam flashlight in my kayak. 90,000 lumens packed a punch for the thick fog and allowed me to see the water just around my boat. I kept it off most of the time, though. I wanted to preserve the natural atmosphere, as well as the flashlight's batteries. "'There's one!' I heard Letty whisper shout from a few feet to the right of me. Fortunately for us, the fog hadn't risen high enough to block the spectacular view of the starry sky. I missed the meteor Letty saw, but another soon streaked across the field of stars. Those two shooting stars were only the prelude to an up-tempo symphony of light. We observed in stunned silence getting lost in the deluge of white streaks. Something momentarily blocked my view of the sky— It flew across my vision in the blink of an eye. I thought it might be one of the many breeds of waterfowl native to the area. It flew too quickly for me to make out any details, but it had an impressive wingspan. I didn't think much of it until I heard an enormous splash a few yards to my left. It came from the direction the flying thing had gone. My thumb slipped clumsily on the flashlight switch. When I turned it on, all I saw were wide ripples colliding with the side of my boat. I swiveled the light around, searching, but there was no sign of the bird that had flown overhead. Everything okay? Letty asked. Yeah, I think so, I said. Did you see that big bird? Nope. Is that what splashed over there? I figured it was a gator. I pictured the bird swooping down too close to the water and getting snatched by a hungry alligator waiting just below the surface. The scenario was far from outside the realm of possibility. Maybe, I said. Either way, it's gone now. I tried to turn my attention back to the cascading lights, but another bomb splash sprayed my entire right side with foul-smelling water. A gob of swamp moss hung from my forearm like snot on the nose of a sick toddler. I heard Letty make a fearful sound and turn the flashlight toward her. There was a violent scuffle taking place between our kayaks. Two creatures were interlocked and battling to the death just under the murky surface. A slimy body part would occasionally break the surface and spray us before slicing back through the water. I was able to make out the distinctive mountain range tail of an alligator, but the other creature was too quick for me to see in the fog. Whatever it was made a guttural clicking noise every time it ended up on top of the water. The sound had an eerily triumphant quality that gave me very little hope for the embattled alligator. Something extended from the twirling mass of reptilian limbs and slapped the water with a loud smack. I got my first real look at part of the second creature. It was a bat-like wing with semi-opaque webbing mapped by dark veins. I determined whatever that thing was. It was probably what had flown over me a few minutes before. I had never seen a flying creature that was also capable enough to take on a gator in the water. Letty must have noticed the Jurassic wing too. She inhaled an astounded gasp and asked, what the hell is that? I don't know. we should probably put some distance between ourselves and these two. The revolving spiral of bodies was slowing down a little. I was hearing no sounds from the alligator, but those confident clicks were sounding out more frequently now, both above and below the water. I touched my paddle to the water and the fight instantly ended. The ripples from my paddle echoed towards the alligator, which was now floating on the surface looking dazed. The other thing had vanished. Hey, Letty, keep your eyes out, okay? I don't know where that thing- A sucking clap of water made me look back towards the alligator. I saw only the aftermath of its disappearance. That sound had not been the gator diving below the water. No, it sounded more like it had been jerked down with a sudden velocity. Vern? Letty pointed to a spot on the water near where the alligator had vanished. Little bubbles were bursting to the surface, and something dark was spreading through the water. It looked black in the unnatural light from my flashlight, but I think we both knew it was actually red. Bits of scaly flesh started popping up near the bubbles in the pool of blood. Whatever that thing is, it's ripping that gator apart, I said. We really should go. If it's still hungry, I don't have anything to defend us with. You think it would still be hungry after eating a whole alligator? Letty asked. I didn't answer. Logically... I couldn't imagine the creature would be able to eat more than an animal that had appeared to be roughly the same size as itself. I didn't want to share the other idea I had with Letty though. What if the creature wasn't eating the gator? The thing had dragged it below the surface so effortlessly in the end, why go through the violent struggle when it could have easily killed its prey and saved the energy? The only conclusion I could draw was that it had been playing, it enjoyed the fight. It enjoyed the feeling of its helpless victim struggling against its own strength. Letty and I were no gators. If that thing got off on overpowering other animals, we would be a satisfying encore. Let's just go. I can't enjoy the meteors with that thing close by, I said. An unwanted reply came from the water. The surface exploded with a volcanic tower of water that suspended momentarily before raining down upon us. Something dark shot up from the center of the eruption and disappeared into the sky. I heard a second splash. Letty's paddle smacking the water as she frantically backed away. I dropped the flashlight in my lap and followed suit. As we raced back to the land, we heard the throaty clicks coming from the trees. It was constantly near. No matter how fast we paddled, the creature followed. It was playing. There was no way we could outrun it. I knew, and it was letting us know too. Letty, move closer to me, I said. She was nearer the trees than I. I wanted to get her out of that position and, irrationally, wanted her near me so we could defend each other. I didn't know what we could do against such a powerful assailant, but I felt better being close. A branch groaned and I heard a wet flapping noise before feeling warm air hit the side of my face. The creature had flown right over our heads. Keep going, I shouted as I grabbed the flashlight in my lap. I pointed it upwards, but at this point, the fog had risen higher. The light reflected off the water in the air and momentarily blinded me. The air ripped as the thing flapped its wings somewhere above me. I held my paddle up in pitiful defense. "'Vern, just row! Get away from there!' Letty cried from just behind me. She was moving fast and had put a good distance between us. I figured she must be close to the shore now. If I could keep the thing focused on me, she could get away. It tore through the air again and flew just over my head. My plan had already failed. It was flying directly at Letty. Watch out, I shouted. Letty screamed and ducked out of the way. The creature missed her, but she had tipped off balance. I watched over my shoulder in shock as the bottom of her kayak came up and she disappeared under the water. We drilled rolls often. The ability to flip a capsized kayak can be the difference between life and death in many situations, such as the predicament Letty found herself in now. I tried to keep a strong grip on my floundering paddle, a victim of fearful tremors. Her kayak made disheartening quarter rotations from side to side. I could picture Letty flexing her hips below the surface as she struggled to right herself. I was so focused on reaching the capsized boat that I didn't see the creature swooping toward my head until it was almost too late. In what could have been an accident or an autonomous response to the threat, I too flipped my boat on top of me. After the rush of bubbles dispersed and surfaced, the water was quiet enough for me to hear Letty's muffled grunts, At least she was still conscious. I made the hasty decision to release myself from the kayak. It was a reckless thing to do. Kayaks are nearly impossible to flip over unless you're strapped in and know the technique. But I wasn't worried about the kayak or myself anymore. I just had to get to Letty. I surfaced to catch a breath and orient myself, but dove below again to swim. When I finally reached Letty, I dared not touch her lest I scare her into filling her lungs with slimy water. Instead, I felt the edges of her kayak with each hand and when she made an effort to tip it left, I pulled. The counterweight of my body provided her with the boost she needed to complete the rotation. I surfaced with her. Letty, you've got to tow me in. She was about to say something when we both heard something heavy splash into the swamp just a few yards behind us. Just go, I shouted. I grabbed the handle on the rear of her kayak and she started to paddle. I tried not to think about the thing that was now in the water with me. I especially tried not to think about what it had done to the stocky alligator whose scaly skin provided much more protection than my own soft, pale flesh. We were so close to the shore I could see it through the dense fog, when something clawed into my calf. The pain was so sharp and unexpected I almost released my hold on the handle. I might have, if I didn't know, it was my only chance of getting out of the water alive. Letty somehow paddled faster after she heard my scream. The claw tore out of my muscle, which was doubly painful. The kayak came to a scraping halt, and I moved along its side hand over hand as my good leg searched for the muddy bottom. My injured leg dragged behind me, too far behind me. A mouthful of pointed teeth clamped down on my ankle. My vision flickered and my hands slipped off the smooth, plastic edge. Letty caught one of my hands, and in my final moments of consciousness, I gave her the other one. She told me what happened next while we were in the hospital. She played a sick game of of tug-of-war, and I was the rope. She won in the end, but only because the creature bit through my ankle. It crushed the bones and severed muscle and sinew. It took my foot with it to the bottom of the swamp. Letty barely got me to the hospital in time to save me. The surgeon said another minute, and I would have bled out. When I came out of a drug-induced haze, I found myself laying on a hospital bed with a skeletal prosthetic. I lost most of my right leg. Besides devouring my foot, the creature had shredded everything below the knee so bad they had to amputate it. Still, I'm grateful to be alive. Needless to say, Letty and I don't visit Okafinoki anymore. I suggest you avoid that area too, at least until they find the creature that attacked us out there. If you must go, please... Just don't go there at night. You can support The Warning Woods by clicking the anchor support link in the description, or by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash thewarningwoods. Of course, The best way to help is by writing a review and following this podcast in Apple Podcasts or subscribing on your favorite podcast app. Thank you for listening.